0: She's passionate about the truth of God's Word, and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith.
1: guys, it's your girl Autumn Miles, how are you? I hope everyone is good. I hope everyone is having a great start to their week. We have just entered into the Christmas season, which I am totally, totally, totally obsessed with. And we are gonna be talking all about Christmas. Uh, You guys, I have so much to tell you about the Christmas story. I've studied over the years. So definitely keep coming back every Tuesday for you girl to hang out with your girl over here today. I, I typically guys would go ahead and start into my, whatever my Christmas series would be, but I have a word for you, for you guys out there. And this word, it's almost like a giant hug. (laughs) I love it. I love it when God's word is like, Oh, this is so comforting. It's a hug for those people who have endured and have remained with Jesus. You haven't left. It's a a hug for the faithful. It's a hug for those of you that are facing super or have faced in your life very difficult circumstances and you have remained, okay? So if I didn't feel like God had given me a word for this week, I probably would have gone ahead and shimmied over to the Christmas story. Just the different unique elements that are so overlooked. When we just read Luke 2, everything is overlooked, you guys. The Christmas story is geniusly constructed. So I would have shimmied over there, but we're going to stay. We're we're not going to do that until next week. So welcome to the show today. Okay. What's happening in my life? Now I was going to have you guys this really long discourse on Decorating my house for Christmas because we put up so many trees, it is unbelievable, and it is like it's so fun. Okay, it's so fun. We put up three main trees we have two 12 foot, and we have one nine foot, those are our main trees, and then we have other trees throughout the house that are our main trees. They're like You know, they're not like, we got like father, son, Holy spirit trees. And then we got like the other other trees, the others, but we did that this past week. And oh my goodness, it was so fun. It's so fun to, you know, it's a, it it took us two days. Now, when I was younger, it would take us one day because I was like, get to it. Let's, let's, let's decorate all these trees. We have a system. We have a whole thing because there's a lot of decorations. There's a lot of kids. There's a lot of trees. At some point in the day, somebody cries. At some point in the day, you know, we all need to sit down and have a break. Uh, but, you know, it is it is our tradition. So we put those up. And I was going to tell you all about that. And I'm, I still might in the weeks to come. But, guys, I just walked into Haven's room. Okay. Now, my daughter Haven, I t- I've talked about her so much. She is hilarious. And I I honestly think she should she could probably do stand up comedy. Like, I'm not even kidding. I, I probably should record some of the stuff that she says. So you guys, you know, will believe how funny she is. <laughs> she is not your person who's like personality plus in front of people. But when she is with people that she's comfortable with, she says things that I literally I, I will laugh at for days. Okay. She's just that funny. So I go up in a room and, you know, it's like mommy mandate. It's like, okay, everyone, we're home for Thanksgiving break. And I want everyone to take one hour and we are going to clean our room and we are going to clean our closet. Okay. Now closet room, they can handle when I say closet, like their skin is like, you know, they, they, they do not like it. They become faint. They don't want to clean their closet. But she was very happy to clean her closet, and I thought, oh, okay, this is really interesting. And so I go up in her room, and after an hour, I'm like, okay, I'm going to come check your rooms. We're going to mommy check your room in one hour because they need to be, your rooms and your closets need to be clean because we have the time, so you need to clean them. Okay. And yes, my kids do chores. Yes, they do. So I go up in her room and I'm like looking around and she's actually doing a pretty good job. I'm like kind of shocked. Her closet looks immaculate. I mean, she is like, and she's like thriving. She's like, mom, I told you my room was going to be great. And I'm surveying her room and I look on her wall. Now we are not okay with stickers on the wall. We are not okay with posters on the wall. We just got our house painted And the kids, know don't stick stuff on our wall, (laughs) which of course she did it. So I go over to her wall and I'm like, Hey, Ben, why do you have this thing stuck on the wall? And she's like, it's my naughty and nice list. And I was like, you're what? My naughty and nice list, mom. I'm like, you, you made a naughty and nice list and you taped it to the wall. I'm like, who is this for? Uh, For me. (laughs) So I'm looking at this piece of paper. There are no kidding you guys. I'm not even I'm not embellishing. There are probably 40 names on this piece of paper. <laughs> and I'm I'm reading through and I'm like, "Haven, hey, okay, so there's like on one side of the piece of paper, she's written tons of names, like tons." And um, there's so like, like, I don't even know who these people are like, I don't know if she like, I mean, are they people from her school? Are they, are they, they their teachers? Like, I don't know. I've never heard some of these names before. And, um, but, but they're there, they're there. I don't know. Like, are they from like, you know, does she, do, do, is, are they, I don't know they I just can make up with them. I don't know. There's so many people on one side. And then on the other side, there's five names and I'm like, okay, Haven. What? which side is the naughty list and which side is the nice list? Well, thank you, God. The nice list was one with all the names on it. And so I read through and I was like, okay, 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 I see. So all these people to you are nice. She's like, yes, mommy, they're so nice to me. And then she has five names. Now, I won't tell you what the names are for fear because I actually know who these people are. (laughs) So I won't tell you who's on the naughty list, but I will tell you that Jude, my son Jude, made the naughty list. And then Moses was formerly on the nice list, and there was a big X through his name, and she added him to the naughty list, okay? So apparently there's some sort of thing, I don't know, that's going on between the two of them. And then there's three names that I actually know who these people are, so I won't tell you. You guys, I laughed forever. I, I just felt like she, she like, made a list. <laughs> and um, she's taken it really, really to heart. It's very serious for her. These people are nice to her, and these people are not. And, you know, I, I mean, she was – it was very matter-of-fact to her. I, I literally laughed forever at that because I don't think – I any of my other children has ever made a naughty and nice list, but of course she did. And, you know, I sat there thinking about it and I just thought, man, I'm so glad that my name is on the list in heaven. (laughs) You know, God has this book of life. I actually wrote about this in my first book and then he has the Lamb's book of life. And I'm so glad that my name is in that Lamb's book of life and the book of life. We're all in the book of life. When you're born, you're entered into the book of life. Uh, and you can look this up for yourself. And then, you know, once you become a believer and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I was just so thankful. <laughs> Seeing that list in Haven's room was very sobering. I was like, oh, wow, like this is like a thing. And then I, the Lord was like, you're in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're in the Book of Life. And Anyway that's what's happening in my world today, you guys. It's a crazy world. It's a crazy life, but I wouldn't live it any other way. Okay. So we're going to take a little break, a little breather. Won't be long. I'll be right here waiting for you when you come back. And I'm going to give you a giant hug like Olaf who likes warm hugs. This is going to be a warm Bible hug and you're going to love it. I'll see you in a sec right after the break.
0: We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this.
2: Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the invite Autumn tab Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com.
0: And now back to the Autumn Miles show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles.
1: Okay, guys, I am back from the break. This word, oh my goodness, I hope it's going to bless your heart the same that it blessed me. I'm, I want to talk to those of you who have stuck it out. You know, we hear we hear so much about the prodigal son and the prodigal son coming home, and we see Jesus going as the shepherd and grabbing that one sheep that's lost and bringing him back to the ninety nine. And we see that all throughout Scripture, and it is it is absolutely powerful. But today I want to make a point that I think will encourage you so much. It's for those of you that have been faithful. Uh, You're not prodigal. You're not doing something, whatever. You've been faithful and you've stuck with it through good times and bad, through needs and not needs. And, uh, you know, this, this whole message is really about Jesus giving thanks. And how he gave thanks. And I actually um, did this message a little bit before Thanksgiving. And I will talk about that. But for the purposes of this podcast today, I want you to lean in. I want you to listen to what your Savior thinks of you. And I want this to encourage you. We are going to go to Matthew 1529. Now I love this passage of scripture. There's so many good points in it, but I want to just go ahead and jump right in. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we're going to come back and we're going to do, I'm going to talk you through it. Okay. In Matthew 1532, it says this, and Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. And a few small fish. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish, and giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to his people, to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And that they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. And those who ate were four thousand men besides women and children. And sending away the crowds, Jesus got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. Okay, here we go. I'm obsessed. This is chronicling the feeding of the 4,000. Okay, now We do know that Jesus also fed the 5,000, okay? The feeding of the 5,000 is an incredible miracle. And it actually was given to us and and it happened before the feeding of the 4,000. Okay. God really felt like the feeding of the 4,000 also needed to be included in the scripture. Okay. Even though the feeding of the 5,000 would have been a bigger miracle. Okay. Now when we say 4,000 and 5,000, unfortunately in that day, they only counted men, which like, hello, come on people. Anyway, they only counted men. So when we say 5,000, that's really only counting the men that were present at the feeding of the 5,000. If you add in estimation here, if you add in women and children, we probably are up to about 20,000 people. Now, if you come over to the feeding of the 4,000, which is where we are going to spend our time today, 4,000 different scene. It is not the same miracle. Okay. We're counting the men as well. But if we add in the women and children, we're probably looking at about 18,000-ish people. Now, that is an estimate. I was not there. No one really knows how many people were there. I am estimating for you to paint a picture of how beautiful this miracle is. Now, this is so powerful because here we have Jesus— Um, by the way, this miracle is only located in, I think it's Matthew and Mark, Matthew and Mark. Let me, let me make sure that I'm not fibbing to you. Yes. Matthew and Mark. It's not located in all four gospels, just Matthew and Mark, but the feeding of the 5,000 is located in all four gospels. Okay. So Matthew and Mark thought that this was pretty interesting. So, so they chronicled it in their gospel. Now, listen, I want to just set the scene for you of Matthew 15:32. And Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now 3 days. Now, as I was reading this, to be completely honest with you, this, I have always told you guys that these things, like they minister to me before I would ever put it on a podcast. Like this word, this word was so powerful in my spirit. It made me weep as I was reading it personally for myself. And I was studying about Thanksgiving for myself. I mean, to me it it's just one of those things that It just touched me on a deep level, but his language here towards his disciples struck me so deeply before he ever did the miracle as he's sitting there, as he's healing the lepers, as he's teaching, as he's feeding these probably 18,000 people, the bread of life, which he is teaching from the God man, his own very mouth. um, He stops everything. Now imagine for a second, if you are, you've been, you've been teaching, maybe you're at a concert or whatever, and it's like a nonstop feeding of music or whatever, or you're at a church service, maybe you're at a conference and you know some of those conferences, like they never take breaks. (laughs) I always wonder, I'm like, people have to go to the bathroom. Like I need some water, you know, and some of them, they just never take breaks. I was actually just at a conference and they never took a break. And I understand for, I, we used to do conferences, so I totally get the time constraint and everything. But imagine for a second, for, th- for three days, you're in a church service. And I mean, like, there's all sorts of amazing things happening. People are getting healed. People are getting restored. Families are getting put back together. You're in a huge stadium that holds 18,000 people. And, and your pastor or the main speaker all of a sudden stops everything that he's doing. Stop. I want everything to stop. Stop, 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 stop. Cut the music. Cut everything. I want to see all the volunteers down front right now. You know, in a stadium of 18,000 people, I don't know how much the Cowboys Stadium holds. I've been to the Cowboys Stadium. It is unbelievable. It holds a lot of people. Probably, I don't know if it holds more than 18,000. I don't really know, but that's kind of what I'm envisioning. One of those arenas that holds so many people stop all the volunteers come forward and jesus in this moment he doesn't speak to their need first as all the volunteers which we know here are the disciples out of matthew 15 32 They all come forward. And you know, the the volunteers are like leaned in. Like this is, uh, this is kind of weird because Jesus just stopped everything that he was doing. They're all leaning in like, what in the world is this guy going to say? What's he going to say to me? What's going on? And what Jesus says, why it's so tender to me is something that I needed to hear, and I think it's something that you needed to hear. He brings all of his disciples forward, just like your pastor would do if he stopped the service. Everyone come forward, all the volunteers, I need to tell you something, I need to tell you something. He doesn't speak to the need, he speaks to his emotion. And this is what he says, and this is what the Father thinks of you today. He says, This I feel compassion for these people. And this is why he felt compassion because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. What stuck out to me so strong. He had compassion because they wouldn't leave him. He had compassion because they were committed to hearing absolutely everything that came out of Jesus' mouth. He had compassion because even though they were in great need of their hunger they've remained with me for 3 days and have nothing to eat even though they were starving probably even though they were had a physical urge to feed themselves they rejected their own need to stay with Jesus they forfeited they silence their hunger physically because remaining with Jesus was more important to them than feeding their own bodies. When I say this moved me, you guys, I, I could cry right now. Because there is a remnant of people listening right this second You have been praying desperately for your husband to get saved, to become a believer. And he just hasn't done it yet. And rather than giving up, you have remained faithful to Jesus. I can see right now there is someone out there that is desperate for a financial miracle. And you are so tempted to leave the faith and to leave your faithfulness and your your bowed down heart. Because it is so incredibly difficult to believe any longer. But you are choosing right now to remain with Jesus. There are some of you right now that are fighting infertility and you just can't sin, doesn't matter what you do. You've done everything the doctors have said, but for some reason, you just can't get pregnant. And it's been years and years and years, but you are committed to remaining with Jesus. There are some of you right now who moves, you know who you are, whose marriages are on the complete rocks. You feel like giving up on faith. God hasn't come through for you. You keep praying. You're you're you feel like you are reaching a wall. And your prayers aren't going any further, but you have chosen no matter what, you are going to believe the word of the Lord and you have remained with Jesus. You haven't left. You've been tempted to leave. Satan has given you every single reason to leave. He's tempted you in every single reason you can imagine. It makes sense. The temptation makes sense to leave. It doesn't even make sense to be faithful anymore, but you have chosen chosen to remain with Jesus, even though you have a great need that you are desperate for. Jesus today has great compassion for you. I know what it's like to be facing a nightmare. And to hear the temptation trickle in my ear, just leave. Just give all this up. I know what it is like to be tempted to leave, to meet my own need. And in those times, it is so hard to stand strong and to remain. But I am telling you right now, as if it is a message straight from the Lord, we know it's straight from Scripture, Jesus, if you've never felt it before or heard it before, Jesus has great compassion for you who choose to remain. He's thinking about you. He sees that financial burden. He sees the tears of the infernal. He sees that spouse that you love so much. That you've been praying for. He knows the enemy has tempted you to leave because of your great need. He knows the enemy has fed you all kinds of lies because of your great need. But you've chosen to remain. Jesus is overwhelmed with compassion for you today. If I don't say anything else, and I've got more cool things to say, (laughs) sit in that. One day Jesus told me, it's been about a year ago, I think, Autumn, you never sit in my compassion for you. You're so eager to do for me. You don't enjoy me like you should. You don't enjoy my compassion. You don't enjoy my forgiveness. You don't enjoy, you're so eager to do, Autumn, because that's how I love. I'm a doer. If you come to my house, I will make you cookies. I'm a doer. That's what I do. But it was so strong in my spirit. You said, Autumn, today only. I want you to sit in the compassion that I have for you because you rarely enjoy the compassion that I have for you. And I want you to enjoy it today. And maybe that's where you stop. You can log off. You don't have to listen anymore. I've got more cool stuff to say, but I really do believe that that's a word. I really do believe that that's a word. For somebody today. You've remained. You've been faithful. And I believe Jesus is so proud of you for doing that. He looked at his disciples and said, I f- feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Now they had a great need. So w- while he's feeling compassion He's seen the need at the same time. These people are desperate. They're hungry. After three, I can't even go three hours without eating. Like I need to eat. I actually carry around sunflower seeds with me 24-7 and I constantly eat them because I have a blood sugar problem. So I, I can't even go three hours without it. So Jesus is looking at these people and he's saying they've remained against their great need, but they have a need. I've been meeting their spiritual need, but they have a physical need. And he goes on and he says, I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. Listen to this right here. The Lord reminded me of this amazing passage in the scripture as I as I bring this point home to you. He says to them, I do not want to send these people away hungry, for they might faint on the way. Now listen here. He re, he he feels compassion for them because they've remained. Now he's going to address their actual need and what they need. And he says, "I don't want to send them away empty-handed. I I don't want because of this, they might faint." on the way. When I read this passage of scripture, it reminded me of Luke 18, which I've written about in Gangster Prayer. And it says this, now he, Jesus, was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not faint, okay? That's Luke 18, 1. So here we have Jesus that's basically, and all different versions say this in a different way, pray and not lose heart, pray and not grow weary. But the version that I'm speaking to, I want them to pray and not faint. I want them to pray and not lose heart and not faint. So here Jesus uses that same terminology. I do not want to send them away hungry for they might faint on the way they might give up they might give in if we do not provide for their physical need they just might faint and lose heart on the way they just might physically faint on the way they might give up on the way and what did jesus say i do not want to send them away hungry I want to tell you, those of you that are like, is Jesus listening to my prayer? This is the heart of the Father for those that remain. I do not want to send them away empty-handed. I don't want to send them away hungry. Luke 18.1, like I just read, you ought to pray at all times and not faint. Don't give up. There is a God that is so invested in your need that he wants to meet your need. That is the heart of the Father towards you today that have remained. I, I don't want to see these people away. They've remained with me. They've been faithful to me. I'm going to, in turn, be so faithful to them. The disciples said to him, the disciples drive me nuts, okay? But I, I've been a disciple like a million times. Where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a lot of crowd? Like, this is the same narrative that they feed Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000. They've already seen Jesus multiply the five loaves and two fish. And now they're like, but what would we do? Where will we get the food, Jesus? What would we do, Jesus? Oh, my goodness, they're so whiny. And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few small fish seven, the number of completion, seven, seven, and a few small fish. And he directed the people to sit on the ground. And listen, let me me tell you, this is different than the feeding of the 5,000. What he says here is different. And he took the seven loaves and fish and giving thanks. Now, feeding of the 5,000, this is the 4,000, feeding of the 5,000, It says, and you can look this up for yourself, he blessed, then broke. In the feeding of the 4,000, which we're reading right here in Matthew 15, 36, he took the seven loaves and giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Now listen, that's different. Jesus blessed, he lifted them up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. Here, he gave thanks and broke them. His thanksgiving came before the miracle. I love watching the pattern of how Jesus prayed. Because when you watch the pattern of how Jesus prays, it tells you how you should pray. If it is good enough for Jesus, (laughs) it's good enough for us. He gave thanks when first. What does the Bible say? Pray with thanksgiving is how we are we're, we we should pray. With thanksgiving. Jesus gave thanks first then he started doing the miracle. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. In order to get the miracle, he gave thanks that the miracle was going to happen. Now, Jesus was not standing there going, "Oh my goodness, is Jesus going? Is God gonna um, multiply this bread?" No, he, he he wasn't concerned whether God was going to be faithful. He knew that God was going to be faithful. <laughs> he knew all of those things. He was not, you know, anxious about his own faithfulness in this moment. So, if he gave thanks, shouldn't we also? give thanks. Sometimes I, I look at Jesus and I'm like, you're God, do you have to thank yourself? <laughs> like, like That's kind of weird. But if he did it before the miracle, we need to do it before the miracle. Uh, there was a big thing that happened in just our family, just a big trial. This has happened multiple times. We've been through so much. Oh my goodness, you guys, so much. But it was big. It, it made me, it scared me. You know, I think it scared all of us. You know, when when health problems come or whatever come, it, it, you know, you kind of get scared at first. And I went immediately to the scripture. I was like, oh, my goodness, I cannot handle this. I am going to lose my mind. <laughs> like immediately to the scripture. And I remember that the night, that day of, that we kind of heard about this uh, trial. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. I was reading, reading, reading. I was encouraging, just like David did myself in the Lord and his promises and his faithfulness and who he is. I just read over the passage of scripture that uh, that that fed me spiritually. I remember Jesus saying to me during that season, he said, I want you to start thanking me because the battle's already won. What you're praying for, your need. Not only do I have compassion for, but I've already met it because I see the future. So I want you to start thanking me for it. And I did. Now, some days were easier than others, thanking God. (laughs) But I did. I remember saying, Thank you, Lord. I know you've already worked this out. I know you're faithful. I know you are. And Jesus knew that too. I thank you for these, this bread and these fish. And then. The miracle happened. I wonder just aside here today if you've been if you've been thanking God that he is going to answer, there's no greater faith than Thanksgiving before you see the miracle happen. There's no greater faith, none. Thank him. take a minute as you sit in his compassion for you and thank him. He broke them and started giving them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. So he thanked, he broke them, and he gave them to the disciples. I wonder what the disciples were thinking, you know, oh, wow, here comes more loaves and fish. Wow, this is is this going to become a regular thing, you feeding all these people? Is this going to become a regular thing? But they passed out the loaves and the fish throughout these 18,000 people. And all those who ate, verse 38, were 4,000 men besides women and children. I want to go up to verse 37. And they all ate and were satisfied. That desperate need for you, my faithful friend. There is a God that longs to meet it in his way, in his time. He delayed three days to feed these people. Like He does delay. That is, that is a thing that he does. That's a principle. Waiting is, a, he builds weights into our plan. And when he sees the time is right, he intervenes so that you won't faint. But everyone that was there ate and every single need, physical need of hunger was satisfied. And then this is the part that absolutely blew my mind. And then we will close. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. Now, guys, I could cry about this too. Because I think for the first time reading this, I was moved by the fact that the broken pieces were not left without a direction. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. Oh my goodness, you guys, I'm telling you what. Those of you that have a broken heart, those of you that have broken relationships because you've chosen to be faithful. Those of you that have, uh, you know, broken finances, those of you that have broken, I don't know, opportunities, those of you that have even broken faith in this moment, those of you that have a broken down car, <laughs> a broken arm, a broken health, whatever it is, I'm telling you what, God comes in and he satisfies us in such a way that he doesn't, he doesn't uh, dismiss our broken pieces and sweep them up. No, 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 no. He takes our broken pieces and he gives them a direction. What did the disciples do with the broken pieces that were left over? That were left over. They put them in a basket, seven baskets full. You ever look at your life and you're like, oh my goodness, my life is so messed up. All these relationships are burned and this, that, and the other. And all you feel is broken with broken pieces everywhere. But you're clinging to the Lord and you're like, I don't know what you're going to do. This is how good God is. He doesn't even waste the broken Pieces, the leftover pieces, the things that have happened to us along the way, he picks them up and he gives them direction. I'm telling you, I've seen it in my life so many times that God has come in in such a way in a dire circumstance. And he said, you know what? I am going, even I am going to be faithful to the broken pieces that look like a mess and I'm going to clean them up for you. That is how great our God is. And those that ate were 4,000 men besides women and children and sending the crowds away. Jesus got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. Listen, he knows how to feed us. He knows when to feed us. He knows how to be faithful. Faithful is his expertise. He knows how to take those things that were meant for evil against us and turn them around, every single one of them around for good. Just like Joseph said, for this present result, you've remained because you know that he is the source of strength, of power, of salvation, of deliverance. He is the source that you need because of your great need. And I'm telling you what, walking with the Lord 20 plus years at this point, he's not going to let you down. He will be faithful to you. Oh, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me. That's his heart towards you today. I know this is going a little long, but I um I just want to close out this segment with my new favorite psalm. I read this uh, last week, and I mean, I was like bawling. It's Psalm 136. I was like so, so moved. But I I want this to be your heart as we enter into this holiday season and as we are, you know, contemplating the very birth of our deliverer, Jesus. Psalm 136 says this Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who alone does great wonders for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who made the heaven heavens with skill for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who spread out the earth above the waters for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who made the great lights for his loving kindness is everlasting, the sun to rule by day for his loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and the stars to rule by night for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who smote the Egyptians and their firstborn for his loving kindness is everlasting and brought Israel out of their midst for his loving kindness is everlasting with a strong hand and an outstretched arm for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who divided the Red Sea asunder for his loving kindness is everlasting. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his loving kindness is everlasting. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who smote great kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And slew mighty kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Sion, King of the Amorites, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Og, King of Bashan, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And gave their land a heritage for his loving kindness is everlasting. Even a heritage to servant to Israel, his servant for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who remembered us in our lowest state for his loving kindness is everlasting and rescued us from our adversities for his loving kindness is everlasting. I'm sorry, adversaries for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who gives food, food, feeding of the 4,000 to all flesh for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods For his loving kindness is everlasting. They couldn't even get through a sentence of thankfulness without adding in. His loving kindness is everlasting. I love y'all, and I love this, and I'm obsessed with it, and I hope this encouraged you greatly today. I'm coming back after the break with a question for you, but I really want you to get into Psalm 136. Get into Matthew 15 and let it encourage you deeply. I'll be back in a sec. We'll be back
0: with
2: more from Autumn right after this. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of his reach to use and redeem all things for his purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab, the biblical harlot, and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse, and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get your copy of I Am Rahab, go to AutumnMiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's AutumnMiles.com.
0: Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now, back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn
1: hey, Miles. Okay, guys, I was just talking to my producer, Mike, about that word. We both love it. it is, wasn't it like a warm hug? Do we not love Olaf? Come on. It's totally a warm Jesus Bible sandwich hug. Okay. I have a question from Ellen today. Ellen writes this, and I uh, love this question. She says, as my, I'm sorry, I can't read. Hold on. <laughs> my child is a toddler this Christmas season. How do I include her in Advent and Christmas celebrations and begin to introduce the gospel to her? Okay, let me read it again. My child is a toddler this Christmas season. How do I include her in Advent and Christmas celebrations and begin to introduce the gospel to her? First of all, way to go, mom. You are awesome for having that desire to, um, you know, it's, Santa is fun. I tell my kids all the time, well, now they're old and they know there's no Santa Claus. But when they were young, we said we had a little saying in our house. It's kind of stupid, but they loved it. And we would say, Santa is fun to play but Jesus is the way. Okay. That's what we would say. We never said Santa's real. There was never any like hoof hoof marks on the, on the, they know that Santa's totally something we play. I never wanted to confuse them with what Christmas was about because it's just so important. And Ellen, I love your heart for this. We actually bought Fisher Price I think it was Fisher-Price. We got it at one of the Christian bookstores. Maybe it was Mardell. I'm not really sure. But it was like a little Fisher-Price nativity scene. And we actually still have it. Okay. They're older now and they know they, 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 all four of them can basically recite the Christmas story, but that's when we got, when they were babies, like when they were one, you know, one-year-olds that kind of chew on everything and you know, they, those stuff that nativity scene has been slobbered on and all the whole thing. But I, I wanted to show them, I wanted to have that up in our house so that they would know, because I knew that they would love to play with it because it was a toy that they could play with. Cause you know, when you have a toddler and you're decorating the tree, you really don't want them in the tree because they like, you don't want them to eat the ornaments or anything, but that is something that they could play with. And we would put in front of them uh, regularly. And we would say Christmas is about Jesus's birth and we're celebrating Jesus's birth. And you would be surprised how much We've, we've milked that little Fisher-Price nativity scene. It actually still works. I don't know how. It's pretty durable. But Moses and Haven, even though they're almost seven, they play with it every single year. They put it up themselves and they like, you know, Haven, like, she thought that Mary would want to talk to the donkey more, so she put Mary next to the donkey. And like, Joseph was over with the wise men. I don't know, but uh, she kind of groups them how she will. But it's a great conversation starter with your kids. We also always... Well, since they were babies, read the Christmas story. When we put up like the star, we have, an, we have an angel and we have a star. We have so many trees, but we are constantly telling them, do you know why we put up the star? Because of the star of David, because of the wise men. Do you know why we put up the angel? Because the angel went to the shepherd. So explaining even as you put up your own Christmas decorations to them, kids are smart. I, I don't like that. You know, some people don't think that they can handle this information. They absolutely can. And I would 100% welcome your child in every aspect of Christmas so they grow up knowing what Christmas is truly about. That's what we did. Those are some tips for you. I mean, start now. Start right this second, including your your little one in the Christmas holiday. Let me pray us out today. Lord. We love you so much, and I thank you for this season of hope. I thank you for this season of—I just thank you for the whimsicalness of this season, God. I thank you for the meaning of this season. I thank you that you literally give the entire world reason to celebrate, and it's because of you and your son's birth. And Lord, we thank you for that. And God, I pray for that one that was um, moved by the message today. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for the, the wealth, the wisdom, just the weightiness, Lord, of your word. I thank you how you speak to dry parts in us. I thank you, Lord, that you have compassion for us as we are as faithful as we know how to be to you. God, we, we ask you to meet those needs of those people that are listening today, God. We ask you to interject yourself into those people that are waiting for their miracle today, for their need today. God, I pray that you would encourage them personally with your spirit I pray that you would just send out your spirit and I pray that your spirit would encourage everyone who's listening that has a great need that has been faithful in a very specific personal way today. I thank you that you do that for us. And Lord, we ask you to continue blessing this little podcast, this little Aspect of the ministry, God, that is another way for us to tell people about how good you are. We ask for your hand to be on it and for you to continue to anoint it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I love you guys so much, and I'll see you next time on the Autumn Miles Show. And we're going to be talking all about Christmas. Okay, see you then. Thanks
0: for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.